Thank you, certainly appreciate that. If your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter number 3. And in Sunday school, I had mentioned a couple of things about 2020. And uh, of course, everyone knows 2020 was, you know, completely a crony. Maybe I'll say it that way instead. And, uh, and one, of the, uh, one of the things that, uh, that I think I heard or see here is that uh, uh, some people were so bored uh, that they called Jake from State Farm just to talk to somebody. And, uh, and then I, I know some people, too, they, they actually started answering those robocalls because they just wanted to talk to somebody else. And so, uh, so that's one thing. And then uh, another thing about 2020 is the world is turned upside down. It used to be uh, that, that, um, uh, that kid or parents would ground their children to the house and not let them leave. And in 2020, uh, old folks are sneaking out of the house and their kids are yelling at them to stay indoors. And so... Uh, that certainly was different in 2020, all right? Uh, just a couple, perhaps, highlights or funny points of 2020 uh, that certainly took place. And, uh, you know, you can't change it, and so you might as well laugh about it. Amen? Uh, it is what it is, and I'm glad it is over. The other day, I walked into the store, and uh, as I was walking in, I, I just kind of paused at the door, and I kind of looked around, and I was like, man... This has been a long time coming. It just kind of almost felt normal to walk into the store. And, uh, and I was like, man, this is so, such a relief. It, it's amazing. You don't really realize how much mental stress maybe it puts you under, the, all the craziness that took place. And so, boy, I am, I'm glad that's all over with. Praise the Lord. Uh, and we're on an upswing and, uh, and looking forward to perhaps normalcy. And uh, as we go forward, that has absolutely nothing to do with the message. So that was all free. Romans chapter 3, we've been going through the book of Romans, of course. And and in Romans chapter 3, Romans 1 and 2, really, I I have to go back. I'll just kind of rephrase. In Romans 1, Paul really talks about sin. And he talks about how the fact that uh, every person uh, has within themselves a knowledge of God. Even the heathen people... Uh, that, that are not religious or not uh, tied to Judaism in any form or fashion, uh, have a knowledge within themselves that there is a God. And he lays that out very clearly in Romans chapter 1. And then he explains that uh, those people have departed even from what little morality and what little revelation they had and ran headlong towards sin and they enjoyed it. In verse number, or chapter number 2, he goes through and he very clearly shows how the Jewish nation as well had the Word of God and they were blessed with the Word of God. And, uh, and yet they as well uh, became puffed up in their pride and their religious background and also really, in reality, departed from God. And so how they are sinners. So he spent chapter 1 and chapter 2 basically proving and showing that man is sinful. In the first part of chapter 3, he covers arguments of objections. You see the first part of the chapter, there's a bunch of questions that he asks, and uh, and they're really rhetorical questions. They're things that Paul came up with in his mind and said, well, if this is such, then people are going to take it this way. we kind of answer some of those objections that, that pop up, in, at least in his mind, in, uh, in, in chapter 3 in the first part, verses 1 through 8. And then last week we looked at Paul's uh, assertion of sin. And Paul very clearly lays out 
uh, that man is sinful. And he takes his text from many verses from the Old Testament. And so we see that. And in the, in the last part of chapter 3, we see Paul's arguments for justification. Now, Paul, again, is writing to Gentile people, uh, and, and they perhaps would be more open to justification by faith, but he's also writing to the Jewish population. And the Jewish population for years has been accustomed to bringing a sacrifice and, and offering it as an offering, and so they have almost confused and intermingled works with justification. And so they are struggling to understand how somebody could be justified without works. To them, uh, it is a real stumbling block. It's a difficulty. Uh, And to many religious people, that could be a real problem because they've been taught their whole life uh, and they've practiced their whole life that they can uh, do good works and that pleases God and therefore uh, it takes care of their sin. And so we need to understand that justification is by faith. And that's what he's going to cover in verses 19 through the end of the chapter. Look with me at verses um, 19. We'll take our text there, and we'll not read all of it, but uh, we'll, we'll just read the first couple of verses, and then we'll, we'll get into the message. Look with me at verse number 19, Romans 3.19. The Bible says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your word that we can read, that we can study, that we can learn from, that we can meditate upon, and God, that we can truly base our faith upon your written word. God, I pray that you would... Uh, use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak to each and every uh, heart and each and every listener this evening. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at these two verses, uh, I really have kind of in the introduction as well, uh, because Paul is just recapping what he has spent the past uh almost three chapters covering, and that is that man is sinful. Look at verse 19. That's what he says. The end of 19, he says this, and all the world become guilty before God. And so he is recapping the idea that sin affects every person. And that's really important for the Jewish mind and the religious mind to understand. Uh, that, hey, this law has brought us all the way to prove to us that we are imperfect before God. And we cannot be justified. The word justified, uh, you can remember it this way, as just as if I'd never sinned. So it's wiped clean. It's a slate that's completely wiped clean. And what Paul is advocating and what Paul is stating is what he's previously proved time and time again in the first part of of the book of Romans is that the law does not justify anyone and that all people are guilty before God. And he sums that up in verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh 
be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so he, he makes that very clear to us in those two verses. And those two verses are very clear. In verses 21 through 26, uh, we're going to focus most of our time on that. And then the, uh, uh, the final verses, 27 down through 31, are kind of closing and a few additional thoughts that he throws in there that are pretty simple. But really, verses 21 down through 26 are the meat uh, of this passage. And so we're going to look at those this evening, and we're going to focus our attention on that. Verses 21 through 23, I want you to see the declaration of God's righteousness. As we read through this, uh, look how many times the word righteousness is used. It kind of jumps off the page, and it's attributed all to God. Look with me at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have and come short of the glory of God. And so he's giving the declaration of the righteousness of God. Look with 21, he says this, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. That word manifest merely means to be shown. And so what he's saying is, hey, listen, the righteousness of God is being shown unto all men. And, and that would, that's very clear. And he goes on and he says, uh, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes as we read through the Old Testament, and we read all the Old Testament laws, uh, sometimes it can become overwhelming to read the amount of laws that they have. But the law really served a purpose, uh, especially for the Jewish people, that was for them to keep in mind, hey, that they're bringing a sacrifice uh, to, to uh, make atonement for that sin. And what that did was it pointed them to the Lamb, the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that would come and wash away their sin. And that's so important. That's why when, uh, when Jesus Christ came onto the scene and John the Baptist saw Him, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Because Jesus is that perfect sacrifice. The Bible is very clear in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter uh, I think it's nine or I think it's chapter nine. It, it talks about the blood of, bo of of goats and bulls was not enough. In other words, they would bring it, but that bull and that goat and that sacrifice that they made was not enough to wash away their sins. It was pointing forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in practice, and practicing that on a regular basis got them used to the fact that, hey, uh, there is a sacrifice that is coming. And so uh, I want us to understand that. And that's really what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, it's been witnessed of by the law. You've practiced this your whole life for the Jewish people. But not just the law, because the law point to the Savior. But also verse number 21 there, it says, being witnessed by the law, and the prophets. Now we can understand the prophets quite a bit clearer 
uh, we go back and we look at the prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, 6, Micah 5, 2, and we, uh, some of the prophecies that we know, Micah 5, 2 says that in Bethlehem uh, shall, uh, of Judea shall the Messiah be born. And, and of course, Isaiah 9, 6 talks about he shall be called Wonderful and Counselor and Prince of Peace. And Isaiah 17, 7, 14 talks about a virgin coming and uh, giving birth. And of course, we, we recognize those as we look at those around Christmas time. But what he's saying is, listen, they pointed to the fact that there was a Messiah going to come. And they were all aware of that. The Jews really were aware of that. What happened when Jesus came? When Jesus came, they did not recognize Him as the Messiah. They expected the Messiah to come in all of His glory. In a kingly fashion, the Jews had been uh, conquered by the Romans and they were living underneath uh, a Roman Empire at that time. And, and really, uh, they, did not have, they, they did not have their own kingdom. And they were expecting the Messiah to come and, and rescue them from that bondage of that other uh, society that was over top of them and to be a king to those people they recognized that it was a king that was coming. And Jesus is, the Bible says, King of kings and Lord of lords. So we know it was Him, but they did not recognize Him, and therefore they, were, uh, they, they, they totally overlooked it, and they did not recognize Jesus. And so Paul is pointing out that, hey, he, the righteousness of God is manifest, showed unto them. Uh, and, and it was very clear. Look at verse 22. Not only was it shown to them, but it's offered unto them. Verse 22 says this, Even the righteousness of God, watch this, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. That verse is very clear. And, and Paul very uh, carefully worded that to put and include everything. Look at the words he uses there. He says, uh, he says, in even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. He was very clear about that. And so uh, salvation has never, never been acquired by works. It cannot be acquired by works. It's not possible. And, and Paul is very clear about that. And, uh, and as I stated, under the law, they looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. And so that's very clear. They looked forward to the final sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice as well in verse 22, not only is it by faith, and not only is it by Jesus Christ, but he says this, unto all and upon all them that believe. The Jews really struggled with that. Uh, they thought, well, if you don't keep the law of the Old Testament, then there's no way that you can be saved. Uh, and to them, they equated salvation with the works of the law. And so Paul is very uh, clear in pointing out, listen, this is good for the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. That's what I am. That's what you are. We're Gentiles, unless you're of, of Jewish heritage, and, and uh, then we're Gentiles. And, and so we're grateful that the way of salvation was open to all men. And that verse is very clear. It was not just to the Jews. It was not just to the Gentiles. It was unto all men 
that would believe, that's what it says there in that verse, upon all them that believe. And then he goes on, for there is no difference. And I thank the Lord for that. Because, hey, that means you and I can be saved. That means that Peruvians can be saved. That means that, uh, that, that where our missionaries are serving, I, I, I don't know how you call those people that are in uh, some of those islands, and uh, the Palauans, I guess, and Micronesians, and uh, uh, Japanese people, and, and people of all race and all place uh, are able to trust the Lord as their own personal Savior. How? By faith. There's just one salvation that God has provided to all people. And he makes that very clear. And I love that end of that verse 22. He says that upon all them that believe. So simple is the plan of salvation. We just put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that verse or that idea of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is repeated over and over again. John 3, 16, a verse that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the basic of salvation. Paul has spent all of this time going to this point. Why? Because the Jewish mind had a very difficult time letting go of their works and putting only faith to salvation. Uh, And that's very clear where he shows that, hey, it's for all people. There is no difference between people. There's not one way of salvation for the Jewish mind. There's not another way salvation for the Gentile mind. There's just one way of salvation. It is by faith. It is through Jesus Christ. And it is for all people that would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he says that very clearly in those verses. Look with me at verse 23 and we get to that verse that we often quote as we go through the Romans road and he kind of sums it up. He says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said it last week. Uh, I think it was last week at least. And, uh, and I'll say it again, that people won't get saved until they realize that they're sinners. They're, they just won't. And that's why Paul has spent so much time dedicating it to the idea that, hey, uh, that, that you, you cannot be saved by your good works. You cannot be saved by the law. You cannot be saved just because you are of a Jewish nation. You cannot be saved by any of these things. The only way of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying in verse 23 uh, that every person needs God's righteousness. So he spent these three verses uh, just declaring the righteousness of God and showing what God's righteousness is. Now look with me at verses 24 through 26. And we'll see the direction for justification of man. He really gets down and he explains it. Paul repeats himself uh, time and time again here through this passage. But again, it's through uh, the repetition that we learn. Verse 24, he says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation for His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now that's a mouthful. 
And, and you probably read that in just your head and, and probably tripped over five words. And, uh, and I, I don't blame you. I'm going to define them for you and, and help us understand this. So, but the, the basic idea here is the direction for justification of man. Okay, we see the righteousness of God. It's declared unto men. It's been proclaimed unto men by the law of God, by the prophets of God, and, and then it's offered to all men. Uh, but, but how does a man receive it? We see the need of all men because all men are sinners. Well, then he goes on in verse 24 and he says, this being justified freely. I like that word. Now, nobody probably stumbled over that word. That probably is, uh, was, was the simple word. But the idea is, hey, that this is not a works-based salvation. And, and he's very clear about that. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. As we think about this, what is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. If I, if I would have thought ahead and planned, which I didn't, so you're not getting it, and I would have bought ice cream for everyone tonight and said, hey, just because you're here, I'm giving you ice cream. That would have been grace. It's not like you did anything and, and you didn't deserve it. You, I didn't say if you're really good and you church and you pay attention and you take notes, then I'll give you ice cream. Uh, no, you didn't have to work for it. It would have just been bestowed upon you, uh, and it would have been an act of grace on my part. It is unmerited favor. And so we get the idea that, hey, God loves us. Now, I know myself. I know that I'm a sinner. Because the Bible tells us that all have sinned, and we all are sinners. And listen, the fact that God loves us in our sin, to me, is amazing. That is grace. That is God looking down and saying, listen, I love you in spite of your sin. You're not a perfect person, but God loves you anyways. I'm grateful for that. That's a huge blessing for us. Because without that, where would we be? I'll tell you where we'd be. We'd be lost. We would have, we'd be hopeless. That's where we would be. But God has given us grace, and so he shows that, that being justified freely by his grace, that is getting what you don't deserve. Free. It's no cost or no charge to us. That's unmerited favor. And as I said, the Jewish mind struggled to understand that uh, grace is really illustrated in Abraham called out from, the, uh, from where he lived. Uh, God called Abraham, and, and in, his, in that day his name was Abram, and he said, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to go from a land, or go to a land where I will show you. That's God showing grace. Why did he call Abram? Grace. Why didn't he call uh, somebody else? I don't know. That's God grace. God's bestowing His grace on that person and saying, you know what, I'm calling you out, and of you, I'm going to make a great nation. And of you, uh, the whole world shall be blessed. And if people bless your nation, then they'll be blessed. And if they curse your nation, then they'll be cursed. And that's the nation of Israel. Uh, God just chose Abraham, and what a picture of grace. That's God's unmerited favor being shown. Now look at verse 24 again through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What is redemption? The word redeem means to purchase back, to regain possession. 
question of by payment of a stipulated price. Now listen, salvation does not cost you and I anything. It's totally free. Uh, it, is, it is probably the only free thing that exists in this world. My dad always told me there's nothing free in this world. If somebody offers you something free, there's usually strings attached or there's usually uh, something else that's coming. But, but the bottom line is uh, something free means somebody did pay for it. And that's true with salvation. Salvation is free to us. It does not cost us anything. But listen, it costs God, His Son, Jesus Christ who came to the world, who shed His precious blood. He lived an absolute, sinless, perfect life on this world. And why did He do that? He did that so that He could redeem that would be by us back. When man was created in the Garden of Eden, God created Adam and Eve. They did not evolve they were created, and, and, and the whole world was created in six literal days. God made them, and they were innocent in that time. Uh, and what happened is the devil came, and, and, and of course he uh, tempted Adam and Eve, and they fell into sin. And basically what happened was God's creation was taken from him by the devil. And if you read it, the Bible says in Corinthians that, hey, he is the God of this world. And that he is in control of things in this world. Uh, and so, uh, so what happened? Well, the only way to get man back was to purchase man back. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross. And he did that so that he could redeem mankind. He could buy back the, sin, the person, the people that had been lost. And that's, that's throughout the entire Bible. The Bible in Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Um, turn to Acts chapter 20. I want you to see this verse. I love this verse. Acts chapter number 20 and verse 28. Acts 20.28. 20, Acts 20.28 20, talks about uh, the, the price and the purchase uh, of, of our salvation. He says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, he says, Take heed therefore, therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. We find that that verse is very clear. That God shed His blood on the cross of Calvary, God being Jesus, and did that to purchase the church and purchase uh, the, those who are saved and those who are born again. And what an incredible verse, because that really ties uh, Jesus Christ to God, uh, because it says, with His own blood. And who shed blood? Well, Jesus Christ did. And that ties Jesus Christ very clearly to God because there are Jewish minds who do not accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah to this day. And so they need to understand that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. So we see it's by grace. We're looking at the direction of, of justification. It's by grace. Verse 25. He says in verse 25, whom God hath sent, set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. 
Now, what does the word propitiation mean? It means atonement or atoning sacrifice. In other words, uh, that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the blood that He shed, covered our sins. That's what that means. And so understand this, uh, that God sent Jesus to, be a, a, to pay for our sins. And that's what He says, through faith in His blood, to declare righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And so he's saying, basically, listen, the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sin. We sing that song, uh, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Listen, that is, that's exactly what this verse is saying. And, uh, and so that's what he's proclaiming. The way of, of, of justification uh, is, is by grace, he said there in verse 24, and then verse 25, he says, it was sent from God, and in verse 26, look with me, and verse 25 as well, it's the uh, remission or the removal of our sins. And then verse 26, he says this, to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. So what he's saying in verse 26 is that, listen, Jesus Christ was declared righteous. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And you say, well, I know this, and it's good that you know it, but listen, it's good to know where to find it in the Word of God. Because we might know it, but if you can't show it from the Word of God, then we have a problem with our faith. And so he's very clearly laying this out. And he lays it out so clearly. Why? Because so many people do not understand it. To this day, uh, many, many religions uh, will take people... And they'll go real close to Jesus, but then they'll veer away. And they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. And they'll make people think, well, I'm doing good and I hope I get to heaven someday. But listen, it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior that anybody can know where they'll spend eternity. And they don't have to necessarily understand remission and propitiation so that they can be saved. I'm not saying that. But as saved people, hey, it is good to understand these are benefits that we get through salvation. This is what really happened uh, so that you and I could be saved and we could be born again. And verse 26 declares that Jesus Christ is the justifier. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Many people believe in Mary for salvation. Listen, Mary can't save people. Many people believe in Allah or they believe in uh, other things and they'll follow. Listen, Jesus Christ is the only name that can save. And, uh, and so that's very clear uh, throughout this passage uh, as, as Paul is laying this out. I want you to look at verse 27 and 28. And Paul very clearly denies works. Look at what he says there. These are a little easier to understand. He says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. He's saying very clearly, listen, there is no salvation by works. There's no amount of good works. You can be baptized. 
you can give offerings, you can start a child's orphanage, you can go to church your whole life, but that will not save you. All of the works are excluded. Because if it were, I think I've said this before, I'm pretty sure I have at least here, maybe not. Could you imagine when we get to heaven, if you could get to heaven by works, you know what would happen? It'd be a big pride fest. I did not mean that the way the world takes it. It would be... It would be a big boasting fest. That's what it would be. It'd be, how'd you get to heaven? Well, man, I, I gave a million bucks. What'd you do to get here? Well, man, I started an orphanage in, in South America, and I helped uh, so many, so many. Where's Jesus in all that? That's all about what you've done and how good you are, and, and what he is saying is, that's not going to happen. Where's boasting? It's excluded. Because we are all on the same ground. We are all on level ground before the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, if you're ignorant. It doesn't matter if you hold four doctorate's degrees and you've been to uh, a gazillion different universities. It really, none of that matters because before God, we are all sinners and in need of a Savior. And that means that none of us have any room to boast. Look at verse 28. And 28 sums up all of this passage. You can underline this verse. It says here in verse 28, Therefore we conclude that man, a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And that's the conclusion of what he's talking about here. And that's, that's the sum, summarization of what he has just taken us through, uh, the, the, the propitiation, the redemption, the grace, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole conclusion is this. Therefore, we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Look at verses 29 through 31. We see uh, the questions that he asks here as he kind of wraps it all up and closes. He says this, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Basically what he's saying is, listen, there's one God, there's one salvation. He said the Jews are going to get saved the same way the Gentiles are going to get saved. That is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way to have, be justified. That's the only way to have our sins washed away. And then he goes on and he says, well then, where's, what about the law? Is it, is it void? And he says, no, the law is not void. It's established for the express purpose of pointing us to the Savior. For the express purpose of showing us Hey, that we're not perfect people. Many people think, uh, you know, you ask them, well, are, are you going to go to heaven when you die? And they say, well, I hope so. And you say, well, well, what makes you think that? And, well, I'm a good person. Oh, do you keep the Ten Commandments? And, and, uh, and a lot of them will say, yeah. And then you ask them, can you tell me the Ten Commandments? And they don't know the Ten Commandments. But if you just give them one or two of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. Have you ever told a lie? Well, you're guilty under the first point. 
And you can go through very easily because the law shows us that we are sinners. And the Bible says that, hey, if he's guilty in one point, he's guilty in all. And so uh, that law points us to our sin and helps us recognize that we are not righteous in and of ourselves. And there's no way to be righteous before God without Jesus Christ and His salvation. So I hope that understands. I know that was uh, deep, and I know that was a lot of information in those verses. And, uh, and looking them, it, it kind of uh, becomes very wordy. But I hope that helped you understand and at least uh, see that text and see where he's going with that. Because the conclusion is that we are justified by faith. And I'm glad that verse is in there. It kind of sums it all up, simplifies it, and says, hey, we are saved by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad it doesn't depend upon my works. Uh, I'm glad that I don't have to try and earn my way to heaven, but that He saved us through faith. And I'm grateful for that. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, thank You for even the preciseness of every word that's in there. God, the details that you so clearly laid out about being redeemed, the fact that your salvation is offered unto all that believe, the fact that we can be justified and our sin debt can be wiped away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, we're thankful for what you've done for us. We're thankful for how you have saved us. And God, thank you for even the clarifying verse. And thus we conclude that we are justified by faith. God, I thank you for your justification. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the love that you offer to us. God, I pray that you would help us to live for you. God, not because we're earning our salvation, not because... We're trying to build better merit with you. But God, because it would be pleasing to you that we would live a right life. We'd live a right life out of gratitude for what you've done for us. And in an offer of thanksgiving for the great price that you paid for our salvation. God, I pray that you'd bless each person that's heard the message. God, if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that they would get saved today and not put it off. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We'll have a short hymn of invitation. God's spoken to your heart. The altar's open. I'm grateful that justification is by faith, that God would take all of my sins and wash them away by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we love the Savior that much more for His salvation that He's given us.